Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Quaybog Church podcast. At the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check us out on Facebook. That way you'll have access to fresh content every week. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey because our mission here at Quaybog is to help you worship, connect, and serve. Enjoy! Hey everyone, Pastor Kyle here. Uh, this week is uh, is kind of a sad week. Um, I don't know if you know, but Tim Keller died recently. And I wanted to lead in this week talking about Tim Keller because I would love for you to go and check out what he has done. Uh, he is a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he is a deep thinker. Uh, he co-founded the Gospel Coalition, so I encourage you to go and, and check out the Gospel Coalition because they have a lot of great material. But one of the cool things about him is his his thoughtfulness. Um, he is a very winsome guy that really wants to better understand culture so that he can speak the truth and the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ into our culture, like our current situation. Uh, he was a pastor in New York City in Manhattan um, and saw it as his personal mission to be able to go into a diverse area like that with the gospel of Jesus, because that's the that's what the gospel of Jesus has always been about. It's always been about going into culture and uh, and bringing hope, you know, bringing the hope of the salvation that uh, that Jesus secures for us. So, uh, I would really encourage you to go and uh, and check his stuff out, uh, read his books, uh, listen to his sermons. Uh, he's got some podcasts that are a little bit older now, but still really relevant. Uh, and, but I, I totally would recommend you to go and, and check out the stuff that he's done. But I wanted to start off today talking about that because uh, where we were also on Sunday, right, we were talking about a pretty heavy cultural issue on Sunday, looking at what Matthew, uh, or I'm sorry, specifically looking at what Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31 um, mean contextually, uh, historically, but also today for us, right? Um, how do we... How do we bridge that gap? And that's called having a, a good hermeneutic, right? Taking what it means and then bridging the gap to today and saying, okay, well, how do we apply that? How do we live that out? So um, I chose to focus on um, really the the confusion for a lot of Christians, I think, and a lot of people in general. Like, how do we how do we have discussions about trans identities without being hateful? How can we disagree and say, look, I just don't I don't believe that's best, and not um, try to make uh, straw man arguments or not try to use hateful, pithy little comments um, about people that are trans or, or questioning uh, or anything like that, right? People in the, the queer and trans community, they need love. And they, yes, I do believe uh, that we are created in the image of God. I believe in the Imago Dei, and I believe that should affect how I live my life, how I treat other people. I believe it should uh, really inform how we have these kind of conversations. Uh, but I do also believe that um, God had a plan for us. God has a design in our bodies. I believe that our bodies are good. And when somebody is struggling with gender dysphoria, especially, they don't believe their body is good. They don't agree. There's a discontinuity for them. And so how can we love people and, and help them to see that they are made in the image of God and that there's something special and unique and important about their embodied sex? Uh, but that's hard. 
uh, and that's messy and it takes patience from both sides and it takes people willing to hear the other person out and get to know their story and, and why they believe what they believe and why they feel what they feel um, but to be able to take the the truth of of God's design for us and our maleness and femaleness and our in his plan for our sexuality and the, and the goodness there um, there's bigger conversations that need to be had there's harder conversations that need to be had moving forward um, but I believe that in, in a lot of ways um, that God's design for us in our uh, maleness and femaleness and God's design for us in our sexuality have uh, have really been confused in a lot of ways uh, over the years and it's not just with transgender stuff or homosexuality stuff it's uh, heterosexual people really wrecking God's plan for sexuality and and pornography and and all that I mean there's this is such a huge conversation about our bodies and about our sexuality that we really need to slow down and and ask good questions and stay curious again from whatever side of the aisle we're on on that conversation we need to be willing to listen to the other person um I just it seems like just today even uh, watching some news clips and just seeing how hateful people are being to one another over this, um, just cursing each other out, uh, you know, people that are pro, uh, just even this morning, pro-abortion and cursing students out because they didn't support abortion. And then, you know, of course, there's plenty of examples from the other direction. And we just live in a, I think, a very pivotal time that we have got to individually decide how we're going to treat other people and how we're going to move forward in society with really difficult subjects that we may disagree on and we should be able to that's democracy that's that's a good thing to be able to disagree but how we disagree is important and so there's just two thoughts on that um if you want to hear well i guess three if you want to hear more about what i was talking about go and listen to the sermon uh, entitled uh made in his image dignity from the womb to the grave right all across the spectrum of life there should be dignity of life because we are made in the image of god so um number two is that that imago day i would love for you just to think through that in your own life uh, again that's a latin phrase that means image of god and it's it's born out of rich theological and um practical discussion and debate and wrestling with what it means to uh, believe that you are individually um, an image bearer of God, but that also other people are. So kind of the tagline I tried to give us on Sunday was uh, Imago Dei, reflect it and respect it. So to reflect the image of God is to reflect love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Um, this is what Gen or, uh, Galatians 5 tells us to do. Um, this is the fruit of the Spirit, if you're familiar with that term. But to be able to be an image bearer of God means you're reflecting the character of God. And so when it comes to difficult conversations as we move forward, if you're a Christian watching this, can you, can you reflect that? Can you reflect those kinds of things into difficult conversations? And can you respect that somebody that you disagree with is also made in the image of God. They also have that imago day. That should be something that really informs us. And then the third thing and last thing on that is uh, from James chapter three in the New Testament, uh, verses nine and 10. Uh, James is talking about how we talk in that passage. And he says, look, we shouldn't be blessing God, you know, so think like prayer, think, you know, maybe reading scripture, think, you know, singing worship songs, perhaps we shouldn't be blessing God and then also cursing people, and James says, made in his likeness, made in his image. Uh, he says, this ought not to be. 
you know, the, this kind of stuff shouldn't be coming out of the same mouth. We shouldn't be praising God and cursing people made in his image. So again, that Imago Day should inform us in how we talk about really difficult things. Um, but it should also inform how we talk to our spouse, to our kids, to our teachers, to people that hate us or people that we feel like we're enemies with. You know, this again is not rolling over and just letting injustice happen, but it does inform how we talk and how we treat other people. So that's just kind of a, a quick recap from Sunday. But uh, again, if you want more of that, uh, go and check that sermon out. And I say right up front in the sermon, and I say again now that I know I'm not always going to do or say everything right with this. Uh, but what I ask is that you'd be patient. Uh, with me, that you be patient with each other as we try to figure out how to talk through these things and figure out what is actually best for especially children, but people that are struggling with who they are. When you can't trust your body, that's a pretty traumatic thing. And so um, can we point them to a better narrative? Can we point them to a better story? Yes, as a Christian, I believe so. But at the same time, it's going to be messy and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to say things that aren't right. But, um, but let's be patient. There's enough hate and vitriol out there. Uh, let's not get caught up in it, right? All right, so uh, third thing, last thing, uh, I got a question each week during the series of Genesis. I am basically opening up the phone lines. We have a text number available that people can text. Uh, it's 833-273-8106. Uh, again, that's 833-273-8106. And you can text that number with any questions that you have as we're going through this series, and I will try my very best to answer them. Uh, I can't promise I will always answer them um, to your satisfaction, or that I can't always get to them in general. But uh, a question we had this week was from Jay, and he asked kind of a two-part question uh, that I thought was really interesting. So the first comes from Genesis 5.3. He says, how does Genesis 5.3 fit into being the image of God? And in Genesis 5, chapter 3, um, it says this here. Um let me see here, pull this back up and went off to a different screen. It says, when Adam lived uh, 100 years, so here we are in Genesis 5, chapter 3, and when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a child in his likeness according to his image, and he called his name Seth. So what I think is interesting there is that this, um, this is a, um, a literary device because there's a, a flipping here in this verse that it, it's, a, it's a reversal. So the inversion of these two words here in 5.3, in his likeness and according to his image, are a reversal of Genesis 1.26. And that's a literary device, again, uh, of back reference. And so this is something that is tying this scene right here back directly to Genesis 1.26. And essentially, the, the what's happening is this is... God's saying, look, I have bequeathed my image to you. And Adam, in a way, is in, he's, he's passing that on to his son, Seth. And so he is not only passing down the imago Dei, the image of God, but in a very real way, there's something else that he's passing on, is that sin nature. And so he's uh, in, a, in his likeness right now. It's in Adam's likeness and in Adam's image uh, and when that happens, uh, and this is a great question, Jay, but when that happens, you're having those two things passed down, which is just interesting to think about what that means and what that looks like in the world, practically speaking, right? Because that 
image of God, the Imago Dei, um, is something that we, the, again, those characteristics that are gods that we can share. But unique to this exchange here, and I would say to every other exchange after it, is that not only is the image of God and the character of God being passed out and the potential for you know the goodness of God and those kinds of things, but also the potential for the awful things that we can do, that that sin nature, the that inclination um, to see something and, and want something and then take it, whether it harms somebody else or whether it's selfish, uh, you know, the, again, look at the news, look at social media, look what's happening in a mental health crisis, look at the damage that we're doing to ourselves, look at the damage that we're doing to others, look in human history, the capacity that we have, sometimes the unbelievable mind-boggling capacity that we have to harm one another. Um, you know, I think that's part of what you're seeing being passed down here is that sin nature that, uh, and what is that? Well, that I think at the, at the, the heart of it is the, the rejection of God and, and his parameters for us. Like really that's at some point in our lives, we are all going to cross that moral line, uh, uh, one of them. Right. And just, I'm going to do what I want to do because I want to do it. And I don't care. I don't care what God says. I don't care about the consequences. I'm going to do it because I want to do it. And that's a very human nature thing to do is the that you know the self-interest that we have. And so at the end of the day, there's going to be a time in all of our lives when we reject God's ways. We reject God's edicts, his law, um, his moral law, his moral code. Everybody's done that. Romans 3.23 says, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. Um, it's been said before, and I, I, I like the idea that in, in some way we are all a disaster, right? We all have that thing in our life that just plagues us, that sin that just seems to always get us down. But I think the 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 image, though, being passed down now through what and we're now chapter five and chapter two, we're actually going to be talking about, you know, God's design for sex and the procreation and the blessing of, you know, of God on, on humanity through procreation. But uh, going along with that is, as it says here, he fathered a child in his likeness according to his image so those two things are being passed down and that's why for me personally it's one of the things i really do love about scripture is it's so honest and real like about the messiness and and it's just like the the inclinations that we have and how those affect generations after us and you know our kids and it's a great reminder like what are we passing on like what because what it does in a very practical way i've got two kids what am i passing on to my kids you know like what what kind of legacy am I leaving them um, morally? What kind of legacy am I leaving them just as, a, as human beings and their work ethic and how they handle finances and how they, like the grit that they have and their ability to work hard, you know, I mean, all those things, like what am I passing on to them? You know, if, if they were like, if they were made and fashioned in my likeness and in my image, what do they look like? You know, that's, that's a very sobering thought. And so I wonder for you, even if you've got adult kids, are you still kind of like, are you still, I don't know, um, leading and loving those adult kids? It's different. Obviously, it's much more difficult because there's limits on what you can do. But, you know, are you still being mindful of the image that you're leaving behind in them? Because who we are, I mean, it really does, right? It echoes into our children and it echoes into our grandchildren and it echoes into people in our lives. So what kind of image um, bears are we? What kind of reflections are we being? What kind of echoes are we making? Um, 
so a great question and kind of a, a you know I could have could have done a much deeper dive, but I think those two things are really important to, to consider with Genesis five is he's passing on the imago day, but he's also passing on his own image. And Jay asked also as a follow up to that, he said, do you think that Matthew twenty two verses twenty and twenty one tie in and uh, in, in addition to this is a reflection of that. So I went and looked and um, in Matthew 22, it's uh, getting toward the end of Jesus' ministry and these uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they come up and you know the Herodians are in all in the mix of this. And these are people that very much disagree with Jesus. So it's interesting that they would align together to try to attack Jesus. But in Matthew 22, in the, and now we're in the New Testament, the life of Jesus. So some 1,500 years uh, after um, Genesis is being written. But um, Jesus says, and I'll scroll up a little bit here to 18. It says in chapter 22 of Matthew. So perceiving their malicious intent with their question that they come up and ask, Jesus said, why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Uh, and that's what Jesus was so like, so in your face with people that were just trying to set them up. You know, the religious leaders at the time, and they had... Uh, very, very uh, selfish and self-preservation uh, type of questions. And they they did not like this guy that was trying to usurp their authority and their influence. But he comes and he says, you know, you hypocrites, show me the coin used for tax. So they brought him a denarius and, uh, and he asked them whose inscription is on this. So the issue, of course, is they want to trap him. And they said, so we know that you're, you're truthful and you wouldn't want to lead anybody astray. But they say, uh, is it lawful to pay taxes uh, to Caesar or not? Because the issue with that question is that Caesar's image was on there, on that coin. And it at the time, Caesar was looked at as as God and priest, right? So they, there was a very much a religious tie-in to their money and the image that was on that and the inscriptions that were on that very much referenced uh, the divinity of Caesar, and then also his role as as basically a high priest, and so there was culturally a lot tied up in this. And and Jesus, in a very nuanced way, he says, "Again, why are you testing me? Show me the coin." So they bring him a denarius, um, and he says, "Whose image and inscription is on this?" Caesar's. They say to him in verse twenty-one. Then Jesus says back to them, also in verse twenty-one, "Give then to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God's the things that are God's." When they heard this, they were amazed. And they left him and went away. A um, couple interesting things that stick out to me here is, is again, who was Jesus Christ? Uh, I love it because he doesn't even have a coin. <laughs> you know, he doesn't even have a coin on him. And there's more than one occasion where Jesus says, like, you know, go get a coin for me and or do this. Or we have to look over here to get a coin. But it's very, very interesting that Jesus was, um, he was a man for everybody, right? He was a savior for everybody. And he lived a life of, of poverty. He lived a life of other people-ness and other people focus because uh, he didn't even have a coin to look at, um, which again, it tells us something about our savior, Jesus, and who he was and how he understands us, how he gets us and our pain. And he gets, you know, being an outcast, he gets being poor and not having enough money and not having a place to sleep. Like, you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, and you get a real flavor for who Jesus is. And what he was about but in this though there is very much that that image idea tied up again because uh he's saying look this is this is spiritual in nature this guy caesar is, is trying to be the image of god as in like i am god so there was some of that tie up in there and that's why these religious leaders brought this to him but he is also saying that there there are these different spheres of 
of life. And he's he is saying, look, yeah, paying taxes is something that's important, even in a totalitarian state like Rome, uh, roads, water, right, all those kinds of things, um, sewage removal, these important things have to be done. And the New Testament does talk about the importance of um, a government, right? Romans 13 touches on that as well, the importance of a government and God placing that government there on purpose. And again, being written during a time when Rome was in charge and, you know, Caesar called himself God. So there's lots of lots of tension in the New Testament as well, as far as, uh, you know, military and government and Christianity and walking out your faith. Um, but in here, though, you're, the, the tension that you're seeing, um, it, not so much um, our image, but Caesar really trying to take that and be that image. And, uh, and then Jay asked here, let me move this here. He said, is there, uh, is he also saying that the image we are of him and are to be rendered or given back to God? So is Jesus making that claim that we, we are to be given back to God? And I read through this and I, I looked at a couple co- commentaries on it and I don't know that, um, I would say that he is saying that, that we are, but you could certainly make that that argument out of this. I think you could be okay pulling that principle out because that's what, if you think Old Testament and you think Judaism, which these guys all were Jews that were talking, every firstborn uh, male had to be, you know, redeemed. Jesus himself had to be redeemed, had to be given to the Lord and then bought back by the parents. That's why they brought the offering. So I think there still is that image that um, everything is God's um, and that everything needs to be redeemed back. Everything needs to be like as an offering. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 say that, you know, that we should be a, a living sacrifice. We should be willing to give everything over to God and say, Lord, I trust you with everything in me. And so, yes, I certainly think you can pull that principle out. But I think the primary issue here for Jesus is that um, these guys are like on this two-pronged approach here trying to attack him about money and like the different cultural things that were going on. But he, he says, look, yes, you give back to Caesar what is his. Like, cause yes, you need to pay taxes. You're not going to get me with that one. But also, no, you need to consider giving God what is to God's. Be faithful to God and faithful to the institutions that he's put in place. Um, but a great question, Jay, and a great little insight there on Matthew 22, because I do believe that being made in the image of God does, does mean something for us about how we give ourselves to God and how we offer ourselves, as Jesus said here, uh, give to see the, the things that are Caesar's and God, the things that are God's. And if we are in fact, God, God's, you know, we belong to him. I mean, and if we are made in his image, then there should be that sense of giving back. Right. So great question. Great point. Great seeing you guys this, uh, this week. I hope to see you on a Sunday, uh, or next week we'll check in back here. But, uh, if this stuff, as always, we say every week, if this stuff was helpful for you, uh, if it gave you some kind of insight, we ask you to, to like it and to share it. That really helps us get a message we believe in very much, uh, about Jesus Christ and about the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, because we honestly believe that it's only through that, that any of us have any hope of having victory over sin, over issues issues over things of this life. Uh, It's all to be found in Jesus Christ. Thanks for checking in. We will see you next time. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.